0: Picture the scene. A man is sitting in the kitchen eating dinner when his wife walks into the room, her face a blank, emotionless canvas. Her husband looks up, observes the situation, and kindly asks, how was your day? So imagine if in a complete and utter monotone she replies, it was great. Amazing! So glad to hear, he says enthusiastically, and goes right back to happily enjoying his dinner. Now... While this exact scenario might not have played out in your life, we can all think of endless case scenarios where people didn't understand us, where there was a total miscommunication, or where we wished someone could see past the words we were saying, past the surface, and feel what we were truly feeling inside. True connection is rare, beautiful, and delicate, And this connects to a fundamental theme in this week's Parsha Tzav. Parsha Tzav and Sefer Vayikra as a whole are filled with discussion of the Mishkan and Korbanos, the tabernacle and its sacrifices. While the Jewish people traveled in the Midbar, the desert, the Mishkan accompanied them. Once they entered the land of Israel, however, it was replaced by the Beis Hamikdash, the Holy Temple. The sacrifices were central to the temple service and accompanied every Jewish holiday and event. The second base Hamikdash was destroyed, though, over 2,000 years ago, leaving us hoping and waiting for the building of the third temple with the coming of Mashiach, the ultimate redemption. Interestingly, though, the Midrash explains that in the times of Mashiach, we will no longer offer korbanos, because, in fact, there will no longer be a need for sacrifices. This is quite interesting and leaves us to wonder why were carbonos originally so fundamental? And what will have changed that will make them now obsolete? But for you and me, and for most of us, the real important question is that many of us living in the modern world struggle to relate to these archaic concepts of sacrifices and tabernacles, deeming them as ancient and relevant. It can be easy to dismiss this segment of the Torah as the esoteric intermission stuck in between the more exciting parts of the Torah. But perhaps there is more beneath the surface simply waiting to be uncovered. Let us delve into the topics of the Beis Hamikdash and Karbanos in order to better understand the depth and beauty of these concepts. According to Chazal, the base HaMikdash functions as the mouth of the world. In order to understand this, we have to analyze the nature of the mouth. On the most basic level, the mouth has three functions. First, the mouth is the organ we use to eat and drink, in order to nourish our bodies. Second, the mouth is the organ we use in order to speak and communicate with others. The third, however, is the most strange of all. Across all continents, ethnicities, and cultures, the universal expression of love is kissing. Now, we are all used to this concept, but if you were an alien from outer space coming to visit planet Earth and you were asked, what would the ideal form of affection be? You might suggest rubbing cheeks or something of like that. Kissing. Really? Kissing is simply strange, unsanitary, illogical. Fundamentally, though, we need to ask a more significant question. The Maharal explains in several places that whenever an organ performs multiple functions, all of those functions are deeply connected. If this is true, then how are the three functions of the mouth, eating, speaking, and kissing, how are they connected? The answer is that all three of these functions are central to the theme of connection. What happens when you don't eat? You will get faint. What happens if you continue to starve? You'll pass out. What happens if you still don't manage to eat? You will eventually die and your soul will leave your body. Eating Keeps your soul connected to your body. It's what keeps you alive. There is a paradoxical relationship between your body and your soul. Your soul, which is yourself, your consciousness, your inner being, is transcendent, spiritual, infinite. You can't see, touch, or, or smell your mind or consciousness. You will never see someone's inner world. Your body, however, is finite, limited, and physical. Your soul will never die, but your body will eventually age, wither, and fall apart. Therefore, if the soul and body are complete opposites, how do they manage to stay together? Should they not be like two opposite sides of a magnet, completely repelling each other? This is the deep secret of food. You need something to keep your soul attached to your body, some kind of glue. Eating food creates an energy which keeps your neshama connected to your body. No organism can have its soul remain in its body unless it eats. This is also the deep reason why we say the phrase, um asaus, who performs wonders in our blessing we recite right after going to the bathroom. What is the wonder that we are referring to? Many commentaries suggest that the wonder is the paradox that our soul can remain connected to our bodies. Why do we mention this right after going to the bathroom? It's because we have just filtered out the unneeded part of what we ate or drank. The mechanisms of creating the connection between body and soul. We therefore connect to the deep theme of connection at this specific time. We thank Hashem specifically at this juncture in time. We can now also understand the concept of kashras, Jewish dietary laws. Eating is a very holy act. It connects your neshama to your body, the spiritual to the physical. Therefore, it only makes sense that we have to eat foods which are spiritually pure. Additionally, we can also understand the concept of fasting, especially on the day of Yom Kippur. On Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, we are attempting to be malachim, angels, which transcend the physical world. Therefore, we fast, allowing our soul to somewhat transcend our body, enabling us to experience one day of living in an angelic state. The second form of connection is speaking. But to understand speech, we first need to understand the nature of words themselves. Before we speak or even think in actual words, we begin with abstract thought that transcends words. By speaking, you take abstract thought and concretize and crystallize it, bringing it down into the world of reality. Speech is encasing your thoughts within finite shells, which can then carry the meaning of your inner world and project them out for others to experience. This understanding gives us a fascinating insight into the very Hebrew words for word. Davar means a word, but it also means a thing. Because a word is nothing other than limiting your abstract thought into one particular thing. Mila means a word, but also means to cut. Because a word is cutting down your abstract and limitless thought into something finite and real. Teva means a word, but also means a box. Because a word is our attempt to squeeze our infinite and transcendent thoughts into a finite box encasing we can now understand the nature of speaking. We are separate beings, all living in our own subjective world, our own inner universe. We will never be able to experience life through anyone else's perspective, only through our own inner consciousness. And this results in several difficulties. If I'm trapped in my own inner world, how can I connect with other people? How can I know what's going on in their heads? How can I share my inner life with them? How can I overcome this infinite barrier between myself and everyone else? This is the secret of speech. Speech allows us to connect ourselves with other people. You start with your own inner thoughts and experience. You then take a deep breath and use your throat to project your words outwards. You then use your tongue, teeth, and lips to form the specific words which will encase your thoughts into concrete form. In essence, you then throw your words out into the world around you in the form of vibrations. If another person is nearby, their ears, their ears can pick up on those vibrations and translate them into sound. Those sounds will then form words and those words sentences. And if they speak your language, those words will form meaning as well. These people must then track, keep track of all the different words and sentences. Holding on to them and bringing them back from memory while they try to recreate a complete picture of everything you said. Amazingly, these people can now experience your inner world in their own minds. They can now contain a piece of you within themselves. The barrier between your worlds has been diminished. Of course, the most difficult part for the listener is to get past the words and to understand what was truly meant. Words are only casings. The true content was what was originally in the speaker's mind before they began speaking. The difficult job of the listener is to attempt to use the words to get back to what was originally meant to be conveyed. For example, you may use a word to refer to something, but that person may refer to that very same word to mean something completely else. You mustn't project yourself onto the words we hear. You must attempt to negate your ego, to empathize, to put yourself in their head and attempt to understand what they actually meant to say. So, so far we've developed the ideas of eating and speaking. The third form of connection is kissing. We can now understand why kissing is specifically done with the mouth. The mouth is the organ of connection. Kissing reflects the way two people connect when they wish to show each other affection and love. It is therefore self-evident that kissing, the expression of connection, should be performed by the mouth, the organ of connection. To summarize, eating connects the physical body to the angelic soul, speaking connects people's inner worlds together, and kissing connects two physical bodies together, reflecting a deeper internal form of connection and oneness. We can now understand in the most profound way why the Mishkan and the Beis Hamikdash serve as the mouth of the world. This is the place where Hashem connects to this physical world. It is therefore no surprise that the mikdash serves the same exact three functions as the mouth, the organ of connection. Let us briefly study the manifestations of this principle. Let's start with eating. Just as our physical body needs to eat in order to maintain its connection to our spiritual soul, The physical world needs to eat in order to maintain its connection to the spiritual soul of the world, Hashem. The in Brachos, Daf Yuram and Aleph, compares the relationship between body and soul to the relationship between Hashem and the physical world. Just like the neshama is connected to our physical body, Hashem is connected to this physical world. Just like we have a mouth to maintain the connection between body and soul, the base hamikdash is the mouth, the unique location which maintains Hashem's connection to this physical world. We can now understand korbanos, sacrifices. Korban comes from the word karov, to come close. The nefesh hachaim and the kuzari explain that korbanos are the food. Which fuel the connection between Hashem and the physical world, just as we eat to connect our soul to our body, karbanos do the same for our world. This explains why many of the details of the avoda, the sacrificial service, have food-like connotations. The mizbeach, the altar where sacrifices were brought, is referred to as the shulchan gavoa, the high table as if this is the table of eating, The Pesach also refers to karbanos as karbanilachmi my my bread sacrifice, as if the sacrifice is meant to be a meal. This also explains why we place salt on the karbanos, something which halachically we do at meals, especially on Shabbos. Nowadays, we no longer have karbanos, as the world is in a lower spiritual state. How then do we maintain the connection between Hashem and this world? What, what replaced karbanos? As the Nefesh Achayim explains, explains, tefillah, prayer, replaced karbanos. When, when the means of eating could no longer be used, we now turn to the mode of speaking to create this connection. Prayer itself reflects a longing for closeness with Hashem. It is even referred to as avodah shabalev, a service of the heart. This is why we face the Beis HaMikdash when we daven, as the connection we are building between Hashem and this world through tefillah stems from this place. The second form is speaking. Hashem spoke directly to the Jewish people from the Beis HaMikdash. The Pasuk explicitly says that Hashem will speak to Moshe from between the two kruvim. The two cherubs. The angels were locked in an embrace of love, reflecting the relationship and connection between Hashem and Klai Yisrael. And the third is kissing. The Beis Hamikdash is also where Hashem kisses the world, the Gemara and Baba Basra. Daf Ayin Dalid Amin Aleph states that the Beis Hamikdash is where the heavens and earth kiss. In other words, this is where the infinite and spiritual both meet and lack together with the finite and physical. This is where Hashem most strongly connects to the physical world. It is the most potent concentration of connective energy between us and Hashem, where Hashem and Klay embrace in the ultimate closeness. And this understanding of the base HaMikdash also sheds light onto an interesting episode in Beresha's. When Yitzchak wanted to give Esav the bracha, the blessing of the firstborn, he utilized all three forms of connection. He asked Esav to bring him food to eat, he kissed him, and he then wished to deliver the bracha through the medium of speech. This is because the prerequisite of giving Esav a bracha, which is creating a deep closest, and connection between Esav and Hashem, is first a deep connection and closeness between the giver of the bracha, Yitzchak, and the recipient, Esav. In order to build that closeness, Yitzchak wished to first utilize all three forms of connection. To answer our original question about why karbonos will no longer be brought in the days of Mashiach, we must think about the purpose of karbonos and why they were necessary in the first place we explained that karbonos were needed in order to bring us and the world closer to Hashem, ensuring that there is no separation between the two. According to many opinions, the coming of Mashiach will usher in an age in which both we and the physical world will be uplifted to an angelic state. Although we will still be somewhat physical, we will no longer require karbonos in order to remain connected to Hashem. We all yearn for connection to ourselves, to other people, and of course to Hashem. But connection is difficult. It requires time, patience, and constant effort. Genuine communication takes a lifetime to achieve. As we showed in our opening story, more often than not, it can be very difficult to know what's going on in another person's inner world, to understand what they are experiencing on a deep consciousness level. Breaking past the infinite barriers between our inner worlds is truly difficult. And the same is true when it comes to ourselves as we struggle to achieve genuine self-awareness to come in touch with our true selves. This all-encompassing mission takes a lifetime. The goal, though, is not to be connected. It's to constantly become more and more connected. This is the journey of life, a journey of becoming a never-ending process. May we be inspired to use these three forms of connection to experience genuine connection with ourselves, with others and with Hashem himself.